The Athletic. Jordan, you're a great professional. Well, tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Carol. Liverpool's top four ambitions alive and kicking again. Who'd have thought it? But can they win the final four games of the season? That and plenty of your questions answered on a mailbag special on the Red Agenda today with myself, Steve Hothersall, James Pearce, Simon Hughes and Kiever O'Neill. You can subscribe to The Athletic right now for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll get great analysis and in-depth features on Liverpool from James, Simon and Kiva. And you're not going to find better coverage of the club anywhere else. So go to theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod. Take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. So the top four race is not over yet. Despite everything that's happened to Liverpool this season, they're still in with a shout. We've got to start that. They weren't brilliant by any means against um, Southampton, but somehow the league table has, uh, has contrived to put Liverpool in a situation where they can still make it. Can, can you believe it, Si? Yeah, I can, because I think that the teams above them aren't that great, to be honest. I think it's a bad reflection on Liverpool that, they, that you know they're not in the position that they want to be, clearly, not least because of their own performances, but because I think the, the competition around them isn't isn't that strong, really. But yeah, I, th- I do think they've got a chance. I think they'll have to beat Manchester United at Old Trafford to give themselves a really good chance. Obviously, that hasn't happened under Jurgen Klopp. Certainly one of the black marks against them, I, I would say, during his reign as Liverpool manager. So he needs to turn that round. You know, Liverpool's performances at Old Trafford under Klopp have been pretty disappointing, I would say. You know, the, the last sort of positive results would, would probably be the, the, the Europa League campaign when they went there and I think they got the draw and Philip Coutinho scored. So that, that was a good few years ago now. So they haven't, they, they've not only not got the results they wanted there, they haven't performed to the level that you'd expect in, in a lot of games. So... It's going to be a big ask, I think, to turn that that sort of that history around. But you know, I, I, I do think that Liverpool can can go there and win. Uh, I think so. I mean, the Man United Man United have obviously had a good season, but they're still, for me anyway, they're still not like sort of one of the best teams in Europe. I think Liverpool have got it in them to do it, but it's just whether Liverpool can can raise their levels to a standard which we haven't seen very often this season. James, obviously, Everton have done. Liverpool a bit of a favour by beating West Ham. And now you look at the table and you think the two run-ins, Liverpool's and Leicester's, you're sort of putting them side by side and saying who's got it easier. Without without doubt, it is Liverpool, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Um, but I think the big unknown this week is, you know, how how United are going to approach those games against Leicester and Liverpool that are, that are going to have such a big say in who ends up in the top four. Because I think the concern would be that you know, having played Sunday, that Solskjaer will probably hand more chances to fringe players against Leicester on Tuesday and then go stronger against Liverpool on Thursday. Because I, th- I think I think we all know that United would absolutely love to be responsible for ending Liverpool's stint amongst Europe's elite. So um, Liverpool have given themselves a chance. I think I wasn't particularly surprised by the other results on the weekend because I think 
it was never really in doubt whether others would slip up. You know, the big the big question, and that still remains, is whether Liverpool are good enough to actually take care of their own business. Because, um, you know, I must admit, I'm, you know, I'm usually a glass half full kind of person, but there wasn't there wasn't a huge amount on Saturday night to make me believe that Liverpool are going to go and steamroller United, West Brom, Burnley and Palace in the last four. Because again, it was a, a performance lacking control, lacking fluency, but, you know, they are still in the mix and, but they have to go to Old Trafford and win, as Simon said. I don't, you know, I think, and maybe that will help Klopp in terms of the game plan because too often in recent years when Liverpool have gone to Old Trafford, they've been passive and almost inhibited and been too wary about what United might possibly do to them and not really stamp their authority on the game. And I think it, it maybe helps in a way that this time around they have to be bold, they have to be on the front foot because you know, a draw is not good enough. I, I think the only possible way Liverpool get in that top four is if they take 12 points from these these last four games. Yeah, they certainly can't play Kiva like they did at the weekend because they look slow, confidence didn't seem great. They still won it, obviously. Uh, we've got loads of questions coming, but one here from Dave who says, um, how confident are you that, that Jürgen can make this happen, Kiva? And how would you rate it as an achievement, given the way you were talking a few weeks ago on the pod, all of you? I think they've, they've got to turn up, haven't they, as James and Simon have alluded to there, at United, at Old Trafford, and put in you know, a real display that kind of gets us thinking about next season and gets us a little bit excited about maybe what they can, they can perform to, because obviously the Southampton game was... I think the main positive from it was that it didn't end 1-1, which so many Liverpool games have recently. Um, you know, they grinded out the win and then Thiago got a goal, which I felt was deserving for his performance. I feel like those moments can just sort of just start helping build towards next season. And I feel like beating United would definitely do that because they've got something over Liverpool now. They're obviously finishing above them. And, you know, Liverpool are going to end the season trophyless, which is, you know, if you would have asked us this time last year, would that what would that have happened? We all would have said absolutely not. You know, Liverpool are certainly going to be in the running for the Premier League title and, and you know, all the other competitions as well. But, you know, here we are with, with nothing to show for. So I feel like... I don't know. You've got you've got to trust in the process now for these last few games. You know, there's four games to go, and I feel like you know if if Jurgen can start getting them performing in the right way, I feel like they are doing a lot. But sometimes it just kind of looks like they're just lacking, and you're kind of watching them thinking, I you know I never thought that it'd get to this point in the season, but I'm kind of like I can't wait for it to be over now. Like you know, it's I think a lot of people are feeling that way. But you know, if they can put in four wins and get top four, then it'll be massive. I think it'll be a huge achievement, you know, to turn the turn of the year Liverpool were top of the league and we were all dreaming of, of back-to-back titles. That wasn't to be. So I feel like this is sort of all Liverpool can can get now out of the season. And I feel like it will be just massive. You know, the, the, there's no trophy for coming fourth, but I think financially and everything else. And I think just the idea of Liverpool being able to to challenge for the Champions League next season because we don't want to be sat here this time next year, you know, looking towards another final with other clubs, you know, Man City and Chelsea, we've all got that to watch and, and dream and hope that, you know, Liverpool can, can be there next season. I feel like that'll be massive in terms of just going forward and, and the fan base as well because, you know, fans are the, the most important thing and we, we need something to dream about, don't we? Right, Let, let's get through loads of questions. And some of it does relate to uh, to top four and various other topics as well. Sai, if we if we go with yourself first, um, and we'll continue on the Tiago theme. Obviously, James mentioned him before. Uh, Andy says, "Brilliant to see him finally score." But what is going to be Liverpool's best midfield 
next season? Well, I don't think it's going to include Genie Wijnaldum anymore. So you've got to discount him. I, I still think, I mean, I think he's had to play too often this season. That's affected his performances at times, but I still think he's still one of the, the sort of the go-to players. For me, he should be. So, but it looks like he's going. So, I mean, uh, on the players that they've got currently, you would say you need, you need Fabinho back at the base of the midfield. You're hoping for Henderson to to recover from his injury problems. And you're also hoping for Thiago to, to step up and deliver what he hasn't been able to yet. I mean, I know we've spoken a million times that, that, that there are mitigating uh, arguments for him in terms of the, the COVID that he had, the injury that he had. Been a very difficult season for him, but I do think there are question marks as well because I think he's sometimes struggled to keep up with the pace of the game. Looks like Liverpool may have signed a player a couple of years too late, sadly, potentially, but I do think he'll get another season to prove himself and with a, with a full pre-season campaign resembling something like normality, you would hope that he'd start the season on the front foot rather than the back foot. Because let's not forget as well, he, he joined Liverpool having had very little break after winning the Champions League by Munich. So as it stands, you'd say those three, but I, I do think that they'll have to make an addition. And that's not, you know, discounting as well, Curtis Jones's development. I mean, I, I think he's had, obviously, a, a quieter back end to the season, but I think he really, he did well in those sorts of earlier months um, up until Christmas and has shown enough promise to suggest that he can become a mainstay in the midfield. Um probably needs to add add a few goals to his game because I think he gets into some really... I know like the Liverpool midfield's responsibilities aren't primarily goal scoring, but I think he does get into some really good positions um, and could have had a few more goals, which would have added weight to the argument that he should be in the team a lot more often. So I'd expect those those three or four players to be pushing and potentially one more, you know, an addition to, to replace Wijnaldum. I don't think he can go into the season... Uh, with a, with a, uh, fewer numbers than they've had this season. I know Thiago was was sort of signed to to preempt the departure of, of Juan Alden, but I think one thing that's proven this season is is that you know that you need a, a lot of numbers across that area of the pitch. So um, I, I I would be interested to see who they go for. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Bissouma at, at Brighton, a player who's impressed me every time I've watched him. Seems to sort of tick a lot of the boxes that Liverpool would look for, you know, when they're, when they're trying to sign a player. So is it just talk? Is there anything concrete there? I, I, I don't know, Steve. I'm not I'm not privy to that yet. Um, mm. But I'd imagine his performances in a in a Brighton team that have done very well this season. They play good football as well. I think there'll be a lot of clubs looking to sign him. I know um, Brighton's chairman spoke to one of our athletic colleagues Andy Naylor a couple of weeks ago and said that he's worth £40 million, which is obviously a lot of money for a player who's still somewhat untested at a very, very high level. So, yeah, we'll see. But I, I think for me, as it stands, it, it, it's, it's three from those four players that I mentioned uh, earlier. So it looks very much like Genie will be on his way. Uh, James, I'm going to throw a hard one at you. Chris says, are you bored watching this Liverpool team right now, because I am. We're, we're fine until we get into the final third and then we go back. Uh, is, it, is there any element of being bored when you're watching Liverpool at the moment for yourself, James? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's fair. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's just been a struggle, hasn't it? It's been a real hard slog during the second half of the season. And um, yeah, I, I don't think that's 
that's that's an unfair word to use. I think it goes back to what we said before about just that lack of fluency and and, and I think also you you know you put it in the context of what we've been treated to on such a ridiculously consistent basis in the last few years that you know we've been used to just such high standards that it, it has been quite alarming the drop off and um you know the, the mitigating circumstances for that are well known with all the injuries and you know even you take the weekend I mean that was Imagine if someone had said back in September that Liverpool would go into a must-win game in May with you know Reese Williams and Nat Phillips as your as your centre backs. You know they'd have, they'd have thought you'd, you'd lost the plot. So you know there's been a lot of issues, a lot of things for Klopp to grapple with. I think again on the weekend you could see just you know just how disjointed it was, kind of like how belief and has just kind of ebbed away as well. With there's, there's just a lot of players there I think who just need a breather, probably mentally as much as physically. And I think the boring thing also tallies to watching football in empty stadiums. I think that's the other thing to say is that, you know, when I was leaving Anfield late on Saturday night, I was just thinking, you know, thank God that is hopefully the last time I'll ever sit through a Liverpool game in an empty Anfield because, you know, I can't wait for there to be 10,000 inside Anfield for the visit of Palace on the final day. You know, we all hope that there'll be something really important on the line. And we just know, how, you know, what what a difference that makes. And then next season, the prospect of of a full Anfield again, you know. And I, and I know, you know, fans of other clubs, you know, scoff at that and say, you know, Liverpool fans over overdo that side of things. But anyone who's watched Liverpool this season, and anyone who knows the emotional attachment between the players and the fans, and how important that has been to what they've achieved in the last few years, can can see for themselves that you know those players and the manager are massively missing you know, a vital cog in the, in the Liverpool machine. So, you know, that, that is another thing, which I think will help ensure that we're not bored watching Liverpool next season. Absolutely spot. I, I was up late last night watching the golf as I would do on a Sunday and Rory McIlroy, you know, who clearly is the best of his generation was speaking afterwards. And he was talking about the fans. Now this, this is just a supreme player who quite openly said, James, you know, for me, I'm at a different level when there's fans around here. And and that would apply football, golf, any players at the very top end. And, it, and without a shadow of a doubt, Liverpool players individually have missed it. Yeah, oh, huge. I mean, I, I was speaking to one player, it must have been about two, two three months ago now, and they, they said that the biggest problem is everything has to come from within. You know, and, and that is difficult, I think, day after day, week after week, when you've been so used to walking out of that tunnel and, you know, and, and feeling that, you know, that electricity from the stands and that buzz and, and feeding off that suddenly, suddenly when you're surrounded by 54,000 empty seats. And I think it, you know, I think also initially, and I think we saw it with the results when football initially went behind closed doors. And then in the early stages of this season, there was just that kind of relief that, well, at least, at least football's still happening. At least the show goes on. But I think over time, we, you know, that, that novelty well and truly wore off. And, um, you know, I did a piece with Liverpool's sports psychologist, Lee Richardson, and he was, he, he was saying that, you know, it goes back, you know, over a hundred years, this idea that elite performers perform better in, in front of, in front of a crowd. And, you know, some players, they need that vocal support. Other ones absolutely actually feed off, you know, the hostility that comes from maybe going to, to a tough away venue. So yeah, that has definitely hurt Liverpool. And, and also it's, it's during those tough times as well. I mean, there's been so many home games this season when games have drifted, Liverpool have lost their way and you've looked, or I've looked around and just thought this would not be happening if, if there was 54,000 people inside this place. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Smig says, Kiva, on on this, what's the biggest thing you're looking forward to with the return of fans? Getting to the match myself, I think. Um, No, to be honest, um, I was at Anfield for the first time for the FA Youth Cup. Um, a couple of weeks back and honestly walking into that stadium and it being empty like I, I had tears in my eyes because it's just it's remarkable when you haven't been to a place that you you always go so a place so special as Anfield is and I know everyone can't get there but just just see it and know that it's been sort of void voidless almost been empty hasn't it for so long um, and I just, I just got really emotional looking at it thinking you know people deserve to be in those seats and deserve to be doing what they love because people work hard all week and you know the one thing people look forward to is is sport and is football isn't it um so I think as well it's massively changed how you watch it on tv like I know Simon's been on about this all season but I feel like it even sort of takes away I don't know you just you know that there's people not there so Scoring a winning goal late doesn't really matter. You know, conceding late, it doesn't really matter as much as maybe it would if, you know, you'd had 50,000 supporters sort of celebrating it or, you know, all in it together when it's gone wrong for Liverpool this season. I feel like that's what you miss, even being away from it and, you know, being at home and watching on TV, you know the, you know, them lads are getting the support that they deserve. And I think the saddest thing about this season has been nobody apart from, you know, people that have been able to get their journalists and the like, have been able to watch the champions play. You know, I think that's the saddest thing that we haven't been able to sort of, you know, congratulate them, celebrate with them. And also just the cop has maybe been able to sing about, I think, two or three times that they get get fans in there. But, you know, to sing Champions of England, they've been waiting for 30 years to do that. And now, you know, the, the wait will go on until the next time. And I think that's, that's the saddest thing for me. It's just... You know about people whose whose livelihoods depend on on going to the match and the areas of these teams. You know they look so like I was at Preston recently to watch Sad Vandenberg, and it just looked like the most empty place on on a Saturday afternoon. And you know I was speaking to the stewards there, and they just all seemed like really you know just like sad and sort of like you know they I think they get maybe like eighteen thousand in on you know with good away crowd and stuff. And I feel like it's a lot of people's livelihoods as well that we sort of don't, mm. we're not really thinking about a lot. But yeah, uh, can't wait to, to get to anywhere. Just football with people is is going to be great, isn't it? Can't come soon enough, can it? Uh, look, loads of different sort of elements of questions here. So Sai, uh, being a man of the world, you'll have an answer to this. Phil, this is, what, what's the first non-Liverpool football trip you'd like to go on? Once you could be out and about again. I think you went somewhere at the weekend, didn't you? Were, were you watching Bootle or...? Um, not at the weekend. <laughs> no, no. I actually went and watched some football last week. I went, I went to watch the um, game in the Liverpool Business Houses League. Um, it was absolutely brilliant. You know, loved it, <laughs> loved it. Like you'd be going back there again. Yeah, yeah, I will. Like Camfields, who were in the national cup final, which is a you know a major achievement for them. They, they won the competition, I think, in 2015. They've reached the final again, albeit it's last season's competition. 
uh, which is obviously only being played now. So they were playing another team where I know I know the guys who run it, Home Bargains FC, uh, at Alder Road, which is just around the corner from um, from Melwoods. And honestly, it was it was great entertainment, Steve. I would wa- I would rather watch that than watch another any game of football live on TV. It was it was more entertaining watching the two lines going at it like non-stop. And I know people get sort of intimidated a little bit by football lines, but I thought the guys like on each side, there was probably, I don't know, 60 odd people on each, each touchline trying to just gain some sort of advantage, whether it be on the opposition, on the referee, but not overstepping the mark. And, and Camfield had a man sent off and then scored with about five minutes to go, scored a winner. So as you can imagine, the scenes were just absolutely brilliant. So it just it just reminded me again of sort of what football feels like, you know, like when 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 there's something actually riding on it and you're there. Absolutely loved it. But um, to answer the question, uh, non Liverpool related trip. I mean, I, I, I'm, it's going to be Italy, isn't it, or something no, like that? No, well, I mean, I, I love Spain, Steve. Like, I, I would do anything just to go into a, a small town in Spain and just walk around. Uh, all the bars getting drunk in the afternoon, pretty much. If that, if that, if that is an option, I would. That's nothing to do with football, would, is it? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So there, there you go. Let's move on. For Adala uh, says, James, um, what's your take on Jurgen Klopp's comments that next year everything's going to be fine again? I'd love to believe it. Uh, but watching the games, I think it's going to take far more than a break to sort this team out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think it's, I think also. It's too simplistic to to say that the return of of Van Dyke will will fix everything, but I do think the summer will be beneficial. As I said before, I think I get the impression probably mentally as much as physically for the players just to have that breather. You know, for some of them, it, you know, it won't be much of a break because, of course, we've got you know the Euros, we've got the the Copper America as well. But um, yeah, I think it's just been that much of a, a long, hard slog of a season. That you know, Liverpool, Liverpool will be a de- very different force next season. You know, when you get Van Van Dijk back in that team, when you get Henderson back in that midfield, um, you know, to to refer back to what you were asking Simon earlier on about Liverpool's best midfield. You know, I, I'm really looking forward to watching Fabinho, Henderson, and Thiago as a midfield trio because. You know, I actually thought they played really well together at Goodison back in October and circumstances have meant that Klopp hasn't been able to put that trio out there again. So there's that. But I think regardless of, yes, getting people back, yes, having a break, yes, Klopp repairing that damaged self-belief. I also think the second half of the season has shown that there is some important work to be done in the market this summer. Um, you know, Liverpool have to get it right. Um, in terms of the centre-back situation, in terms of ensuring that there's sufficient depth there. I mean, obviously, we expect Canate to come in and, and increase that competition for places in that department. All, all that's still running smoothly with Canate, is it? Because we've not heard much about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's much to run. I think it's just really a case of... We, we know that discussions have gone on with the players' representatives. It's just a case of, as of yet, Liverpool haven't triggered that that release clause. And obviously, until until that happens... Then, then nothing is certain. So, um, so no. I mean, I, I wouldn't have expected that to have happened until, until after the end of the season, anyway. And then, you know, the big thing for me is further forward because I think, you know, that that's the big takeaway for me, regardless of what happens in the last couple of weeks, whether Liverpool get t- top four or not. 
they are an elite attacker. Sure, if they're serious about challenging for the big trophies again next season, then you have to have another option. We because you know the drop off in the output of Mane and Firmino this summer has been this this, this season. Sorry, it's been so alarming that you need another option up there just to ease the burden on Mo Salah because you know so much of it has been on his shoulders. So um, so yeah, Liverpool will definitely. I've got no doubt. There won't, we won't have to endure another season like this one, but there's some work to be done. And, and obviously, you know, to a, to a large extent, being able to do that work does hinge on having the, the financial might of, of being in the Champions League, which is why these last you know, couple of weeks are so important. It's the Red Agenda, your Liverpool dedicated podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, on the pod today, James Pearce, Simon Hughes, Kiefer O'Neill and myself, Steve Hothersall. Uh, lots of people listening from around the world. So we'll go to uh, to Bailey's question. He's in New Zealand. And Kiefer, he, he's saying, what's the current mood regarding local Liverpool fans and FSG? Obviously, if you're, you're that far away, perhaps it's, it's hard to feel that relationship at the moment. But Bailey's saying, does FSG still have the backing to continue taking the club forward? Yeah, I think they do. Um, I think it's, you know, it, I think Spirit of Shankly and their recent meetings with, with Billy Hogan have probably helped maybe the local mood sort of think, well, you know, things are maybe about to sort of happen. Maybe if they get, you know, some fans on the board and stuff like that, I feel like that'll be a positive thing. I think, you know, in terms of when you look across the sort of United and Arsenal and how they've reacted, like they've been unhappy with their owners for such a long time. I don't feel like Liverpool fans necessarily had that of FSG. FSG have made some massive mistakes. We know that we've been over it on, on recent podcasts and, and written work. You know, we know the mistakes they've made and th- that have been unacceptable and not accepted by fans. But at the same time, I do feel like fans are sort of just kind of like, you know, let's let's make some change happen in terms of making sure that they they pay for any sort of sanctions that are imposed on them for joining the Super League. I feel like there's very much an element of Liverpool fans won't forget locally anyway that they won't forget sort of what happened and how you know FSG went behind the back and even went behind Klopp and and the teams back and sort of signing up to the Super League. I feel like the card is marked in terms of that, as it has been in in recent times. But I feel like, you know, one more strike and it could be a lot different for FSG. So it feels like maybe some good can actually come of this because we'll get change and, you know, you know, one more mistake and we could see scenes similar to what we saw at Old Trafford recently. Absolutely. I mean, are FSG going to take any quick action? Is, is that what's expected? I know, James, you've written uh, about the meeting, haven't you, between Billy and Spirit of Shankly? Yeah, uh, you know, there's another meeting that's um, been organised for the next few days. So I think I think we'll know a lot more after that. I think, um, you know, the feedback from both sides was that the the first meeting last night, uh, last week, sorry, was, was positive. But... Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's getting carried away until there's some kind of cast iron guarantees about you know what what this what the structure is going to be going forward because um, you know I think I think the big thing is it can't just be a token gesture you know you can't it can't just be something just to you know to, you know just to, to get the fans off off our backs and you know and and then we can carry on like it was before I think there's a you know a, there's a real desire on the part of SOS and and the fans that they represent. Um, to ensure that you know the, that a line is drawn in the sand and that things are different going forward. And key to that of the four requests they made to Billy Hogan last week was you know, there'd be two 
two SOS representatives on the board with, that have a proper say in decision making, which I think, you know, if they want to avoid the, the kind of mistakes they have made previously, to me, that it, that makes that makes perfect sense. So, um, you know, Hogan said he would go away, talk about it with the owners and that then they'd sit down again this week. So, yeah, I think I think we should know more by the back end of this week. Right, let's go to a couple of players that uh, maybe got a, a hope of being involved next season. That's Harvey Elliott and Harry Wilson. We'll get to Harry in a moment. First, Harvey, for you, Si. Uh, Halp says, what are your impressions of his season? He's obviously been at Blackburn, scored some incredible goals and been involved in assists. What are his prospects of having more of a role within the squad at Liverpool next season, or will he be out on loan again? Well, I think Kiva's probably seen a bit more of him than me. I haven't. Uh, I've only sort of seen highlights of when he's he scored goals or created opportunities at Blackburn, and he's obviously gone there and had a real impact on on the team. You know, I, I was speaking to Blackburn's fullback Ryan Niambi a couple of months ago for a piece uh, about his life, and he was saying, you know, the. Harvey Elliott's gone there and, and really not, not just performed well on the pitch, but just really created a, a good impression with more experienced players, you know, in, in the social structure of the squad, you know, a training first, leaves last, really desperate to improve himself. He certainly hasn't gone there with a sense of ego, you know, I'm from Liverpool, it's just going to be easy for me. He's really worked hard to try and improve himself. And I think to go in and have a debut campaign in the Championship, which, as we know, is is very competitive. Uh, at a team that has had a slightly disappointing season generally, I think there was a hope that they might be able to make the playoffs. They've had a difficult run February, March time. Um, and there's been quite a lot of disappointments around that, but he's consistently still performed quite well, despite the team not maybe reaching the expectation around them. So um, I think it's all, you know, encouraging signs. Uh clearly got a very bright future in the game whether he can step up and, and, and play and make an impact on the Liverpool team at this moment um, I mean I, I think he should see it as an opportunity because you know as James mentioned before that I think there is a space in that in that forward line it's a big jump to go from playing from Blackburn in the championship halfway down the table to, to Liverpool a club which is anticipating that it should be closer to the top of the table of the Premier League next season but I would expect to see him playing more often, if not next season, the season after. I think what what would benefit him possibly at this stage if he can't get into the Liverpool team on a regular basis is go and play for a Premier League team and play, have a similar sort of season that he's had this season, albeit at, a, at another Premier League team. Um, it might might be one season too, too soon for him, but I could be proven wrong because, as I said, he, he seems to be the sort of player that really puts everything into training and I know how... Jürgen Klopp values that. So if he goes back to Mel, uh, Melwood, uh, Kirby uh, in the summer and, and trains well and, and, and forces the issue, who knows, Jürgen Klopp might decide that there is a place for him in, in the squad, uh, in the first team squad next season. He seems to have a, a very mature head on young shoulders. Look, you've followed him this season, Kiva. So quickly, your thoughts on Harvey, but also Harry Wilson as well, who you've written about. Uh, Mick says, surely there's a place for him in the squad now. Yeah, just a quick one on, on Harvey Elliott. I mean, like everyone, you know, you sort of watch the highlights and his goal at the weekend was a nice sign-off, wasn't it, for Blackburn? 
Um, he think the keep the goalkeeper like a lovely finish. Just sort of those moments of quality he's been producing all season. And when you think you know he's played forty one games and I think it's seven goals and eleven assists, which is some return for a kid who was seventeen for most part of that season. I think he turned eighteen in April. I think what Simon sort of mentioned there, you know, whether it would be a loan to a Premier League club or whether Liverpool just think, you know, let's keep him around and keep him sort of similar to what um, Pep Guardiola's done with Phil Foden. You know, he is the player who's just sort of stayed around the squad and then sort of now we've saw, you know, what, what he's gone on to do this season. Um, so it'd be interesting to see there. And you almost think that kind of links in with Harry Wilson a little bit. You know, they're both wingers and you think maybe Harry Wilson is almost now, I mean, he'll... That more than likely be leaving the club this summer. He's had a great season with Cardiff, uh, you know, another great loan. I think his numbers are pretty similar to Harvey Elliott's, but obviously I think he's 24 now, which is, you know, you, you're not, you shouldn't be getting loaned out to when you're 24. I think in terms of he'll turn 25, I think next March, is it? So I think for him, it's more than likely that he will leave the club this summer. He's got two years left on his contract, but it, it's just such an interesting one with him because, you know, you kind of do look at the start of this season and think, well, you know, Liverpool did take a look at him in that, in that Arsenal game. And I think there was a, a deal with Burnley that might have happened, but then sort of fell through. Um, and then it, he was looked to, to be loaned out for, I think, the fifth time and the fourth time in like three and a half years, which is incredible, really. But that's, you know, the quality Liverpool have. It's so difficult to break into the team. You have to be pretty special to do it don't you um, and it just hasn't quite worked out for Harry Wilson but you know he's everyone I chatted to for that piece is, is convinced he's a Premier League player but I just I, I don't think that'll be with with his boyhood club uh, Liverpool unfortunately Okay let's finish with this one Nick says uh, tell us in 10 seconds each why Liverpool will make the top four so let's finish with that James you've got 10 seconds uh, why will Liverpool make the top four? Right they Liverpool will make the top four because the other teams are worse than them, um, and they've they and they've got it in them to chisel out four wins. All right, that's your ten seconds, Simon. Because of the institutional memory of Leicester City, <laughs> Butlers. That was three seconds, Kiva. I think Leicester will be so focused on winning the FA Cup, they're gonna gonna drop points, and Liverpool usurp them. I think everyone will be happy then, won't they? Leicester win the cup and Liverpool make the top four. As always, brilliant. Thanks for the questions. Thanks to Cy, Kiva and James. And thank you for listening to the Red Agenda podcast. And it will be back next week. The Athletic.